Hi, this is Sophia, and you're listening to Bigger. Here, you can learn big things in short amounts of time about everything from money to stories to ESP. Today, we're going to learn a little about economics. For those of you who don't know, economics is how much money there is and how to distribute it. Let's start by thinking of the concept of things of value. The idea is free resources are infinite and scarce resources are not. <laughs> you may think there are tons of free resources, but really almost nothing is infinite. Let's take trees as an example. Are there tons of trees in the world? Yes. Are there millions, even billions of trees in the world? Yes. But can we take all of those trees in the world, cut them all down, make them into tables or whatever, and when we go back, there's still to be just as many trees in the world? No, that's impossible, because trees are a scarce resource, not a free one. This is the key difference that distinguishes scarce and free resources. We often take air for granted. After all, it is a free resource. But you might think differently if you were in an airtight room with one other person. For every breath they take, that's one breath that you can't have. We can think of this scenario with a cake as well. Let's say you and I are sharing, and I take a slice of cake, and I eat it. That's one slice that we can't get back. You will never be able to eat that slice. But if the cake was a free resource, for example, then if I take a slice and I eat it, the slice would magically pop back and the cake would be whole again. We all know this couldn't happen, but this is the difference between scarce and free resources. Think about these concepts and try making a list of scarce and free resources. Are there any free resources that could turn scarce? And are there any scarce resources that could someday become free? Think about it. The next thing we're gonna talk about is opportunity costs, which sounds a little like a phrase when you say it. Opportunity costs. And it's true, opportunity does cost. Let's say I'm a manufacturer and I make plates and cups. If I make eight plates, which is the most plates I can make, then I can make zero cups. And if I make six cups, which is the most cups I can make, I can make zero plates. For F, this means that for every four plates that I make, I have to give up three cups. Or you could simplify that down to two plates is one and a half cups. Anyway, that means my opportunity cost for one plate would be 0.75 or three-fourths a cup. And for every cup that I make, my opportunity cost would be three plates. So, opportunity costs. You always have to think of your, your opportunity cost when you're making a business decision. What are you giving up? What is the opportunity that you're taking's cost? In this part, we're going to be talking about making the right decision. Of course, no one knows the answer all the time, but with this formula, you'll be able to make the right economics decision most of the time, and with some luck, it's going to be turn out great. So, let's get started. Let's say you're considering going to a movie. We have to do all the opportunity costs, of course. And the movie ticket costs $10. Now, you'd think, oh yeah, that $10, that's my opportunity cost, right? But no, there are actually more opportunity costs. That's just your implicit opportunity costs. So, now you're thinking, wait, what? So, let me explain. 
the movie, let's say, is two hours long. Now, for every one hour that you work at, say, an ice cream shop, you earn $10. Now, that means just by going to a movie, you'd be losing $20, because that's 10 times two, and in order to get your full opportunity cost for watching that movie, you're gonna add your $20 that you lost just by not working, and the $10, your implicit cost, so you're adding your implicit and explicit costs, and that means you're losing $30 just by going to a movie. And now you're probably thinking, well, I don't wanna go to a movie, it's costing me $30. Who would ever wanna go to a movie? That's like, not fair. Anyway, that's what you may be thinking, but we haven't weighed your utility yet. Your utility is basically your happiness, which you think wasn't mathematical or scientific at all, but actually, your utility is a big part in economics because if you think that going to a movie is worth $100 to you, then of course that's $70 more than your opportunity cost for going to that movie, so you'd go to the movie. All you have to decide is how much money the movie is worth to you, and you can always make the right decision. Now, we're gonna talk about utility. We kind of skimmed on it in the last part, but now I'm gonna give you a much more in-depth and advanced definition of it. So, as I said before, utility is basically your happiness, which is a little weird, considering happiness isn't really mathematical or scientific at all, and yet, economics basically depends on people's utility. It revolves around it. Like, it can cause charts to inflate, to deflate, to drop dramatically, to move to the right. If you've ever seen a chart, you'll understand these phenomenons. But anyway, it's kind of interesting how something so non-scientific and so non-economics and mathy is basically the center of the universe. Well, of economics, in a way. Anyway, we're gonna talk about an interesting phenomenon that has to do with utility. So let's say you eat one chocolate bar, your utility is four. Then you eat another chocolate bar, your utility is seven. Then you eat another chocolate bar, your utility is nine. Then you eat another chocolate bar, your utility is 10. Then you eat a, na a last chocolate bar, your utility is nine again. Wait, rewind, what just happened? Your utility was steadily rising and then it just dropped. How is this happening? So now let's think about the numbers again. The first time, your utility increased by four. But then it went from four to seven. Then it only increased by three. This is your marginal utility, the amount it increased by each time. And when you think about it, your total utility is kind of a scam, right? Because you think, oh yeah, I'm rising, but then it drops and you're like, what? When you look at the marginal utility, you can really start to understand the numbers and you can realize that your utility wasn't steadily rising at all. It was, um, your marginal utility was decreasing by one each time. Well, yeah, and you were fooled by the numbers. Or maybe you weren't, but anyway, it doesn't have to do with whether you were fooled or not. The point is, your utility decreases each time. So, your marginal utility, that is. So, wait, why? Well, let's say you eat one chocolate bar. You're really happy, right? And then you eat another chocolate bar. You're happy, but you might be feeling a little more full, and anyway, the newness has worn off, so you're less happy. This happens each time, and by the time you got to like the fourth or fifth chocolate bar, you're like, ew, and you might be wanting to throw up. So of course your utility would drop, right? Now it's not two or one or three, 
it's negative one. So you can kind of understand this phenomenon when you look at this it, that way. And remember, when you look at utilities, always remember to calculate the marginal utility because otherwise it may be fooling you. Let's talk about supply and demand. So I'm sure you've heard about this concept before, but we're just gonna talk about it a little and give some examples, just so you can understand it a little better and we can work through it together. So basically supply is how much you have of something and demand is how much the people want it. And when you think about it like that, it's kind of a simple formula, but let's talk about it some more. So let's say there's a town and they have all gray houses and there's one bright pink house and a lot of people want to buy that bright pink house. So the demand would be really high and the supply would be really low, right? And people might be willing to pay, say, $100,000 for that house. Whereas before, they might have only been willing to pay $50,000. Now, um, let's say in a different scenario, or maybe the same scenario. Maybe people started realizing how much people like that bright pink house and they started building even more bright pink houses. So now there are 20 bright pink houses and there are only five gray houses. Now the demand for the bright pink houses is going to drop, right? Partly because the novelty wore off, but also there are so many of them, people are getting bored of them. And also everyone likes to be a little different, right? So no the demand for the bright pink houses will drop and the supply will be really high so people won't be willing to pay for them at like i mean they'll be willing to pay for them but not as much for example where they were willing to pay a hundred thousand dollars before they might only be willing to buy, pay fifty thousand dollars the original value or even less than that maybe twenty five thousand or five thousand or maybe people wouldn't even buy them at all what maybe they'd buy some new gray houses or some brown houses or whatever anyway the point is when the supply is low and the demand then the demand is high which means people are willing to pay more and when the supply is high the demand is low meaning people are willing to pay less this is a simple demonstration of supply and demand Well, hello again. Today you've learned about scarcity, opportunity cost, optimal decision making, utility, and supply and demand. I'd say you've learned a lot. Um, I hope you've gained a basic grasp of beginner's microeconomics, and I hope you have a maximum utility level for the rest of the day. Bye bye.